0: Hi everybody, I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and I wanna invite you to enter the Small Biz Chat Podcast giveaway contest for the next 30 days. Starting today, you'll have the chance to win amazing prizes if you subscribe to the podcast. All you need to do is take a screenshot after you subscribe to the Small Biz Chat Podcast and tag me, Small Biz Lady, on Twitter or Instagram. Once a week, I'll select a winner and you have a chance to win one of my autographed books, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, or Fix Your Business, or you might even get a chance to win one of my limited edition Small Biz Chat Podcast t-shirts. Don't delay. Subscribe to the Small Biz Chat Podcast today. Three, two, one, zero, ignition, Lift off. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. This is Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and I'm coming to you from the Small Biz Chat Podcast. And today, I'm recording another episode of the Small Biz Lady Diaries. And today, what I wanna talk to you about are the reasons why small businesses fail. Now, there's lots of reasons why people end up going out of business. And to me, it's the saddest thing in the world. When I drive down the street and I see a for rent sign in the, in the window of a business that I knew was just there or everything must go, that kind of stuff. Oh gosh, it hurts me to my heart because y'all know my mission as the small biz lady is to end small business failure. So. Everything that I write, everything I share, all of these interviews that we do on the Small Bitch Chat podcast is really about empowering you, giving you information so that you can sidestep all those potholes that are out there waiting for you in business. You know, I had a really good friend of mine say this to me. She said, You know, Melinda, when you start a business, it's like you're in a tsunami and if you're not careful you you will hit a 20 foot storm surge that will wipe you out and and that's actually a very accurate description of what it is and i think that it's important to talk about why businesses fail so that you can position yourself or position your business, your new business, if you're just starting out or to reposition your business, if you had to hit the pause button and had to regroup and, and it's okay to regroup because I can tell you right now, my business quintessence group, we are on our third iteration of what that business is since I started it. You know, when I first started my company, I was a video production company because my background is in television. I was a television news producer for many years. And when I first started my business, of course, what would a television producer do? More video production. But then as the years went on, I realized that a lot of people were using the videos we were developing for websites. So then I was like, well, you know, we're losing out on money. We better start building websites too. And then my company kind of morphed into about 2006, 2007. We really started looking at the trends in our industry and realized that social media marketing was going to be the next really big thing. And so I scrapped video, scrapped websites, and really started figuring out how to become a black belt in social media marketing. And and that's what I did. And a lot of how I learned social media marketing was with my own small biz lady brand. And so I, you know, built my small biz lady brand up and then corporations started calling saying, Hey, you know, you've done such a great job building the small biz lady brand. Do you think you could come help us? And so that turned into me being a social media marketing consultant. And eventually now these days I mean, my company is a full-fledged marketing consulting firm, and now we work with large brands on things like customer acquisition, customer retention, we develop influencer marketing programs, and we do social media Content and strategy, particularly social media contests, is a big thing that my company is known for. You know, and I and I feel like I need to explain that because I think there's people out here who think being the small biz lady is like all I do. <laughs> and what my joke about that is, well, how do you think I learned all the things I know to help you in business if it were not for the fact that I've run a business? So I've I've run my company Quintessence Group for 20 years and like I said, we have evolved as the needs of our customers evolved, as our expertise evolved opportunities. You know, a friend of mine, Eric Thomas, he always says, you know, your gifts will make room for you. And I believe that. And so what I'm saying to you is that as you read, as you go to conferences, as you learn things, as you acquire more expertise and experience, people will pay you for it, particularly if you demonstrate that you know it. And so I think that it's okay to reinvent. It's okay to expand. And it's okay for the thing that you fell in love with at first to be something you eventually don't love doing anymore. You know, And so it's okay. I once had a woman tell me that every woman has four reinventions in her life. And I was like, you know what? I think that's fabulous. And so I guess I'm number three. So there's going to be one more. There's going to be one more reinvention. I don't know what it is. Right now, this small business lady thing is working well for me. But what I want you to know is that when you think about why small businesses fail, one of the biggest reasons is because people are not flexible. People are not coachable. So, they start a business and they already know everything. Well, that is a great way to not engender people to want to mentor you, to want to help you, and also to not have employees want to work for you because nobody wants to work for a you know it all, right? So, I think it's really important just to think through some of these things. So, not being flexible, not being coachable is one. But, but I also think there's a lot of people out here who, want to be a boss. Like everybody, even my 13 year old wants to be a boss, but nobody knows what that really means. And what happens is people underestimate the work involved in signing the checks on the front and the back. People really don't know how hard it is to make all of these decisions all the time. Because when you put your shingle out there and you say you're over for business, literally you're taking on 10 to 12 jobs. Like, all at one time, any of which can clothesline you on any given day. But if you really don't understand that, your business can become a nightmare to you. And I'll tell you a, a story. There's a woman I knew, she was a senior executive at one of the pharmaceutical companies around here. And a couple of years ago, she left her good six-figure job to start a Rita's Wood rice Ice, which for those of you that are not based on the East Coast, we don't have Quote unquote ice cream stands here. We have water ice, and water ice is like I guess what you all maybe call Italian ice, but it's a very East Coast Philly thing. But anyway, Rita's Water Ice is one of the biggest chains of this. They do custard and stuff like that too, but mainly they're known for this stuff called water ice. And this young lady quit her job, opened a Rita's Water Ice franchise, and I saw her right when she was getting ready to open and she was so excited. Oh, handed me an invitation to her grand opening. And I ended up bumping into her maybe like a year, year and a half later at one of my son's little kid birthday parties. And I was like, oh, how's the business going? And she looked at me with this scowl on her face and she said, Melinda, I cannot be a slave to anything, especially something that I don't have passion for. And you know what else? And I said, what? She said, and I hate teenagers and that's who my workers were. And largely that's who my customers even were. Now, what that told me was that she didn't do enough research about the business before she started it. She just thought it would be a good idea to to open a franchise and really didn't think through, you know, what her life was going to be like running that business. Like, of course you, you sell, you have a seasonal business where you're selling ice cream and water ice, who else would work for you, but a high school kid, you know, for eight to $10 an hour. So of course her employees were teenagers. And, but if you've never been married, you don't have kids. Yeah. Maybe teenagers might not be something that you like. And so, you know, I see this a lot though. People start businesses, they start restaurants because they like to eat, not because they know anything about running a restaurant. Do not do that. You know, make sure whatever business you're starting is something that first you have business experience in and make sure you do your homework. You do not want to start a business that you end up hating. And and that's that's bad for business for sure. The second I guess this would be like the third reason that I think small businesses fail is because people chase anybody that they think has money as opposed to having a specific niche target customer. And my rule of thumb for that is, look, if everybody can use your product or service, maybe nobody will. And so you have very limited resources when you start out in business and, and all through your business. So why not pick a target you could actually hit instead of trying to market to the world? How are you going to buy Facebook ads when everybody can use your product? You know, you've got to really be specific about the group of people that you're going to specialize in serving and the problem that you're going to solve. And the best way to do that is get really, really specific. The other thing too is you got to figure out how can you stand out in the marketplace? Well, specialists can always stand out. And when you are a specialist, you can charge more money, right? So, Who makes more money? Your primary care physician or your cardiologist? Mm, Let's think. Cardiologists, of course. The cardiologists that I know drive Lamborghinis. So you want to make sure that you figure out how to become the cardiologist for what you do. And and you you really want to specialize. Sometimes people will say yes to anything. Well, you know what? Sometimes you want to be known for what you turn down. And people will respect you and refer you Because you are the dude for that, or you are the lady that specializes in doing that. So, you know, you want to make sure that you have a specific niche target customer. Because if I say who's your customer and your answer is everybody, my head's going to pop off and spin all the way around. So do not do that. Make sure you know who your customer is. The fourth thing I would say is so often I have people email me or call me or send me a note. Melinda how do I get new customers? And you know what my answer is to that? How about you focus on your existing customers? So many people waste so much time chasing new customers. And let me tell you something, the first sale you make to someone is the most expensive sale. So why wouldn't you try to nurture your existing customers for repeat business, and making sure you're capturing their information and staying in touch with them, as opposed to being out here chasing every ambulance down the street that you think got money hanging out the back. Like that does not make sense. You really want to specialize in serving a specific group of people. And once you get those people, they've already said, yes, they've already spent money. They are actually your best opportunity to make more money Is someone who's already bought from you. So don't forget, please, please, please don't forget to focus on your existing customers because you can turn those guys into a referral source, an unpaid sales force, all kinds of stuff if you just say thank you, if you just pay attention to them, if you give them incentives to come back in your store or do business with you some more. Now, another common thing that I've seen people do is not leverage their lawyer or their accountant as business advisors. Now, if you're only calling your accountant at tax time, they are just a tax preparer. They're not a business advisor, but you should be talking to your accountant at least quarterly, if not monthly about what's going on in your business and what do they think you need to be paying attention to when it's time to do your budget for the new year. You need to sit down with your accountant and look at what your expenses have been historically and figure out where you need to budget or where you need to cut so that you can make more money. And you need to make sure you're evaluating how much profit you're making year to year as well so you can figure out how to make more, right? Because it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep. So those are the things that are really important. Do not wait until tax time to call your accountant. Your accountant should know what's going on with your business all year round and be able to advise you. And then at tax time, what you guys can talk about is tax planning. We can talk about tax shelters. You can talk about whether you should buy that expensive piece of equipment to get an additional write-off on the year. You can't do that if you're, you know, taking a Ziploc bag of receipts and nothing's been entered in QuickBooks for the whole year, and that's when you're calling your accountant. That doesn't work. The same thing with your lawyer. You need to use your lawyer as an advisor to your business. Don't just call them when somebody throws a, a contract in front of your face, but please at least call them when someone puts a contract in front of your face. You do want to make sure that you don't sign anything binding that a lawyer has not looked at. But you also want to, you know, be strategic with your lawyer. If you're thinking about, if you have a business partner or you're thinking about doing a joint venture or something with another business, make sure you got a piece of paper between you. You know, you're, you're going into business with your best friend. That's great. You need a partnership agreement. And those are the things that you need to be talking about your lawyer, you know, or I have a good friend. Her name is Nina Kaufman. And she says you need an entrepreneur's prenup and that is a partnership agreement. And so it's really important that you nail this kind of stuff down because stuff happens. People get divorced, people die. You want to make sure that what's going to happen next is already thought through and figured out. Right? I mean, Really, 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 really important. Because at the end of the day, small businesses fail because people fail to plan. And that, you know, and it, it, it kind of all of this stuff I'm talking about kind of comes down to it. But what you really need to do is think about, you know, your business plan. When you're first starting out, usually that's when people do a business plan. But then after that, you know, you put it on the shelf, you know, like it's a historical document. Um, it's not. Every two to three months, you should be looking at your business plan And making adjustments because your first business plan is really what like your hypothesis and what you think is going to happen in your business but really you need every year to have a strategic plan of what you're going to focus on this year are you going to develop a new product this year are you going to come up with a new book this year are you going to launch a brand new podcast this year you know what are you going to do to build your brand and get more visible and get more customers. What are you gonna do? And you need to think through that because if you do not plan, then you kind of plan to fail. And that is unfortunately exactly what happens. So you wanna make sure that you're thinking about that. Now, another reason why small businesses fail is because people don't save up enough money before they start their business you know, startup capital does not come from banks. It comes from you. It comes from your savings, your 401k, your home equity, whatever resources or liquid cash you have, credit card capacity you have. That's usually where your startup money comes from, unless you're going to go on a a road show and try to get investors. But again, that could take years. So your initial capital that you're going to invest in your business is going to come from you. And too often, people start undercapitalized and then they just spend the rest of the time in their business pushing a rock uphill with their back because any day the weight from debt and from other pressures or poor cash flow management could roll steamroll right over them. And that is a poor position to be in. So you know, one of the things I talk about, part of the reason why it takes 12 to 18 months to start a business is because you gotta get your money straight. You gotta save up your money. So you wanna make sure that you are fully capitalized, at least for your first year of operations, and that you're not carrying a bunch of crazy credit card debt because your personal credit is actually your business's credit when you first start out. So you wanna make sure that all of that stuff is tight as you go in to start a business, now once you uh, you know have the capital, though, you really do need to make sure that you're managing your cash flow well. You know, poor fiscal management is a big issue. And and here's the deal, guys: if you're not managing your household with a budget, you're probably not managing your business with a budget. And you need to make sure that when you're faced with a financial decision about your business, that you're using up-to-date financial information. By the 15th of the month, you should know how well your business did last month. You should not be just checking your bank account to know what you think you might have. You need to make sure that on a monthly basis, you're looking at your accounts, your accounts payable, your accounts receivable, that you have an accountant reconciling all of your books with your bank statements to make sure that everything's cool. And so that if you are hit with an unexpected expense that's not in your budget, you can make a real informed decision about whether or not that's a go, no go decision. And it's just that simple. But if you're not looking at financial statements, if you're just out here weighing it and at the end of the year, when you get your taxes done, that's when you get the surprise as to whether or not you're making money or not. That is crazy. That's not how you run a business. So that's how you wing it. And that's a scary, scary place to be. You want to make sure that you're on top of your numbers and that you know your numbers, that you know how much it even costs you to run your business a month, that kind of stuff. You need to know that. And you won't know that if you're not using you know, financial statements. So you just got to make sure that you know that stuff about your business. Now, another thing that I see people do to set themselves up for failure is they hire the wrong people. You know, if you have a poor support team because you're hiring maybe the people you think you can afford versus the people you actually need, that is how your business is going to come off to people. You're going to get people that don't care. You're going to get people that are going to come to work and treat it like a job and not like an opportunity. And so you want to make sure that you're really careful about the energy and the personalities you bring into your business because you want people who are going to lift you up. You do not need anybody dragging down your business, you just don't. So you wanna make sure that you have good job descriptions, that you actually go through a thorough interview process. And even if you're just a business of one, I would get two other, maybe a mentor, maybe another business owner to sit in so that you could do panel interviews, so that all three of you can interview candidates. Because I think sometimes as a business owner, particularly if we do a phone screen interview, we can fall in love with people over the phone. You know, people are very charming and, you know, you might forget to put them through that skills test. You might not feel like checking their reference because you really need a butt in the seat, you know, because we as business owners sometimes wait until the last minute to hire people till our hair is on fire. So then we don't do a thorough interview process. And then we end up with boo-boo the fool working for us. So you want to make sure that you have a strong support team. And that starts with you. That starts with hiring well in the first place. Now, One of the other things that I see people do that is just really not good for them in business is they don't have a very clear value proposition. And your value proposition is sort of like your reason why people do business with you. And you know, you got to be really careful, particularly if you're an online retailer or you are a wholesaler retailing goods that people can find elsewhere. You got to make sure that you have a strong value add. You have to make sure that you are really on top of your expertise, and that you are you know, known for that, and that you do other things to demonstrate your expertise. If you're selling goods, you gotta be careful, because people buy things because they're cheaper, better, or faster. And if, you, if your value proposition is that you're cheaper, Be careful. You're selling on Amazon, you're going to be in a race to the bottom. And that's a race that nobody wins. And you want to make sure that you are selling your products and services at a healthy margin that's going to allow you to pay all your bills and make money and pay yourself too. Really, 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 really important. So you want to make sure that you have a clear value proposition. And that goes back to that sort of niche specialty thing, right? Because you got to think about it like this Is anyone looking for another graphic design firm, you know, generic graphic design firm. No, they're not. Is someone willing to hire a graphic design firm that specializes in educational materials all day? People developing educational materials want people that know how to develop education materials. They don't want to teach you how to develop education materials on their project. So it's really important that you sit and think about your value proposition. Very, 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 very important because I want you to know that this stuff is critical. You know, again, people want to hire people who specialize in solving their problem. So you need to make sure that your value add is good. Like one of the companies that I work with, I order printing supplies from them, like whenever we need new business cards or note cards or something. And you know what? They always put a little bag of candy in the box when they, when they send me their stuff. And you know what? I look forward to that now. Like that's that's a little thing, but it's but it's a sweetener. You know what I mean? Literally, because it's sugar. But you need to think about, is there something special that you can do that really adds value to your customer without adding price? I had one time a funeral home company and whenever they would do a service for a family, they had these beautiful wooden clocks and they would engrave them with you know always remember the good times and they would send them to the family two weeks after the funeral so that they would always have a keepsake and they didn't stamp their logo all over it i think their logo was maybe on the back of it but the point is they're going to display that clock and they're going to always remember who gave it to them and so these are things that you can do to add value that are small but very memorable. So you wanna think about how you can add value to a, to your business in a way that helps you stand out from the competition. And one of the deadliest things that I see small business owners struggle with is people just don't know how to sell. People are afraid to sell. People have, you know, poor money mindsets and, you know, like, I can't sell my gift. Well, yes, you can. Like, people need to learn how to sell. And matter of fact, everybody in your business that works for you needs to know how to sell. But you as the business owner, if selling isn't your natural thing that you're good at, go sign up for some sales training, get you a sales coach. It's too easy for you to get information on how to sell better. You know, it just is, but you need to know how to sell. You need to have a CRM system, a customer relationship management system. You need to be touching your customers. You need to be following up. If you're selling something online within seven to 10 days of people buying it, they need to get an email from you asking them how did they like it? Would they please give you a review? And put the link inside the email for them to give you the review right there. Make it easy for people to give you feedback, but ask for feedback. But you have to know how to sell. You have to know how to upsell. You have to know how to cross-sell. You better know how to sell. Because selling sales is like the engine. It's the engine that's driving your business. It's like gasoline in a car. It can't go without sales. Your business won't work without sales. And I have to tell you, it's probably one of the biggest issues that takes small businesses down. Because everybody knows how to build their widget or how to do whatever it is their expertise is, but how you gonna sell the next job? How are you gonna get the next customer? You walking around here afraid of buying ads? Are you afraid of picking up the phone, dialing for dollars, smiling and dialing, whatever you gotta do, but you have to learn how to sell. Because if you don't, you will go out of business, I can guarantee it. And it's unfortunate because you can learn it. There's a science to it, you can learn it. There's tons of great books and great experts out here teaching you how to sell you know, but you have to know that it's a deficiency that you wanna turn into a strength. And you gotta know that it's not just enough to have traditional selling skills, you gotta know how to sell online too. You gotta to know how to build your brand online, but you also have to recognize there's a difference between marketing and sales. When you are just emailing people and letting people know you're out there, that is marketing. It is a sale when you send somebody a proposal or you send somebody an invoice. That is a sale. And there is a difference between sprinkling, you know, dust out there saying, hey, you know, I do that. You know, I do that. Uh, You know, calling people, checking back in, connecting with people at networking events. That's marketing. It doesn't turn into a sale until somebody asks you for a proposal or they ask you to send them an invoice. and is what the goal should always be. You got to get to the point where somebody's asking you for a proposal, all Right. And so that is, and you know, that's about 10 or 11. I think I just spit off the top of my head, but I will also tell you guys one more because I feel like this is in my spirit to just share today. The other thing that I kill a business faster than anything is an unsupportive spouse, boyfriend parent, mother, you have to be really, really careful who you tell your dreams to because there's tons of dream snatchers out here. And it's sad to say, you know, sometimes you're sleeping with your number one hater. And so you want to be really careful about how much you share and because honestly, an unsupportive spouse can kill a business faster than a bad marketing plan. So ladies, this is particularly for you. You got to choose your partner well. You got to make sure you're with somebody that supports you, that loves you, and somebody that's not going to get jealous when you start blowing up because that's the other thing. It's not always when your business is doing bad that your spouse or partner is mad at you. Sometimes your spouse or partner is mad at you when your business is doing good. So you want to be really careful and make sure that the people in your life that you share your dreams with are people who support you. If they aren't, you got to do something about that because it's not going to change unless you do something about it. Listen, that is all for today. I am Melinda Emerson, the small business lady. If you want more tools and tips about how to take your business to the next level, check out my website, succeedisyourownboss.com. I've got thousands of articles about how to take your business to the next level, and how to avoid some of these booby traps we just talked about. But I can't go without giving you my action point of the week, and it is this. Make sure you know why you're starting your business. Focus on a specific customer base keep in touch with those existing customers and make sure you're making financial decisions based on up-to-date financial information. And lastly, make sure you know how to sell. And if not, make sure you hire somebody to sell for you. I'm Melinda Emerson. I'm the Small Biz Lady. That's all for today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, Visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.